July 9th, 2017. It's a Watt for Pedro show.
from Pedro show not in Pedro though Memphis Tennessee Sam Phillips recording studio also not Watt alone special guest Taff Falco welcome aboard Taff hello hi Watt uh, we started the show off with John Coltrane uh, playing Mr. Miles Davis's band Tad's Delight and then we had Tad Falco Taff Falco's Panther Burns Doing the bourgeois blues, a lead belly song. Uh, Tab, oh, why are we here? Well, why I'm here. Actually, Tab's visiting too. He hasn't lived here for a while. But uh, we're here making a Christmas album in July. Yeah, so, Santa Claus is back in town. Back in the old Bluff City, right here on the Mississippi River. And you guys, you're the first to hear about it because it's kind of a plan that just came out. But around Christmas, in fact, it's coming out the day after Thanksgiving. Well, what we're doing here, as you know, what you're playing bass on the record, is we're making a Tav Falco Christmas album. Back here at Phillips Studios, Sam Phillips Recording Service. 639 Madison Avenue, Memphis, Tennessee, where I recorded three albums in the past. And then, you know, when we were on tour last year in the States, you, Mike, and uh, Toby Dannett on drums, yep. and Mario Monterosso, and Francesco Danilo on the keyboard, after our Memphis show, uh, in October at Lafayette, we came into the studio here the next day and recorded a single. We recorded two songs, um, Me and My Chauffeur Blues by Memphis Minnie, and a Panther Burn original called The Whistleblower Blues. Right. And then we jumped in the uh, 
jumped in the van and drove like crazy to Little Rock, Arkansas. We made it. And piled out of the van just in time to uh, go on stage and play our show. So we're back at the uh, Phillips studio and uh, the October single and now our Christmas album. It's the first uh, recordings I've done here since I lived in Memphis. Uh, those records were done in the 1980s. I left Memphis in 1991-92 and uh, took up residence in the old world. <laughs> okay, leading up to that, Taff, what's your oldest musical memory, recollection? Well, it's hard to say. Like when you're a boy. Yeah, it's hard to say because there were two things, or there were two sources. Uh, television had come to Arkansas where I grew up when I was 11 years old. And we listened to the hit parade on television every Saturday night. But we were also listening to it on radio before we got the black and white television set. So we had the hit parade on the radio and we had uh, the shadow radio program. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had uh, wrestling with Gorgeous George. But in terms of musical work, yeah. we, you know, we would hear the hit parade songs and uh, other than that, uh, is there music in the house? Does anybody play? No, no one. My father was a Navy man, career Navy man, and he had a Navy um, record player. Uh, it was um, Battleship Gray, wooden case, mono record player with uh, 78 speed <laughs> and he had uh, some discs but the one I played when he wasn't around because he only listened to the radio and television at certain times but then when radio came in he just did a lot but there was no other music in the house but he wasn't there. I grew up on this farm and I would put on this selection from his lacquer records, which was Ride of the Volcarize by Richard Wagner. <laughs> so I would play that full blast okay. on the daytime. And I got off on that. What about school? Did you have any music stuff in school? Well, when I got into junior high, you know, the Sun Records material started hearing that on the radio. And uh, we were listening to um, Jerry Lee and Roy Orbison, Elvis, Johnny Cash. Uh, and then, you know, um, Bo Diddley was on the radio. Everyone in Arkansas loved Bo Diddley. Um, I'm talking about everybody, white, black, old, young. Everyone seemed to love Bo Diddley. And Jimmy Reed. People in Arkansas were crazy for Jimmy Reed. I was no exception. And we'd go down to Shreveport, which was 
the larger city in our region of southwest Arkansas, where I grew up in this little railroad town between Little Rock and Texarkana on the Arkansas-Texas border. So my mother would go down to Shreveport, Louisiana to shop now and again, and she took me to Stan's record shop where she bought me, uh, uh, asked her to buy me uh, the Elvis singles and uh, uh, Jerry Lee singles. So at that point I had a Westinghouse uh, mono record player I got from Sears, mail order. It was made of composition gray and white two-tone deal that opened up. It was kind of portable. And I could listen to the singles on that machine with, with a big hole. With, with, with a hole, you know, with a little <laughs> plastic insert. Yeah. Plastic insert. And uh, I listened to that a lot. And we had parties, you know, with um, little dance parties sure. with our but I bet my school, this might be a little corny, but like music class or marching band, or, did was, you do any of that? I was too uh, too dumb for that. <laughs> no. I played football because okay. I thought that's where all the pretty girls were going to be around the football players. Okay. Okay. Mm. I missed a good opportunity to learn music because... Uh, I never have learned music. Oh, come on. No, I have okay. I know a few chords. People show yeah. me, and okay. that's when about did, it. Okay, when did that happen? When did you get uh, first well, lay your hands on a guitar? Well, that was a little later. You know, when Johnny Cash sure. came out, um, a lot of boys came to school with a guitar around their neck singing Johnny Cash songs. To school? At recess. Okay, okay. Yeah. And... Uh, I would listen to them, and uh, it was kind of fun. But it was later in high school. Okay. I bought a guitar from, I guess I was about a junior or senior, from a friend for $5. It was an electric. And uh, he taught me a few chords. And I remember... Did he you was, get amp? You know... I think that was one of those Sears guitars that had the amp in the guitar case. Silvertone. Yeah, Silvertone. And Made by uh, Dan into, Electro. Mm -hmm. He was into... Um, he was into... <sighs> Quasi-country stuff like... Um, or... Uh, no, not country. Raining in My Heart songs like that, and he showed me just two or three chords. So I messed around on those, but I never really learned how to play. Um, later, I... Hey, uh, here, let's, let's play a tune. Well, the left 
weather's warm, but the gals are warmer down in San Antonio, where Rio Dolorosa flows. Gonna settle down, down in old San Antonio.
the hell was that? Uh, look at that muck out in the rain with shuffle mop bucket room. Go on, pick that jam-pack up, you can't. This ain't a wrestling record until you're in the ring with a champ, buddy. Slippery. Real slippery. You ain't even got a bass player, you total jobber. And now, Mr. Mike Watts on bass. Pedro, uh, we heard where the Rio de Rosa flows. To the Rio Doloroso, the Rio Doloroso flows. The Rio de, or sometimes it's written where the Rio de Rosa. Flows. Yeah, I think that's what's on the jacket of this sleeve. Yeah, people, there's this is off the first Panther Burns album, and that's the true version. But this is a version that. Uh, me and Larry and Francesco Mario got to the company table. Well, the original was by Jimmy Lancaster. Oh, yeah, yeah. The original Panther Burn. The original Panther Burn was on Behind the Magnolia yeah. Curtains. Right. Okay. And, and that, that had uh, Alex Shilton. Yeah. Uh, bass. He plays guitar. No, I know, I know. Who was the bass? Um, there was no bass player. Ah, okay. And drum? Well, Alex Chilton and Jim Duckworth between drums and and uh, guitar on the album. I don't remember who played okay. the drums on it. Okay. And it's not supposed to be a twist. I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm curious. I'm just curious. Uh, Moon Fog, something brand new from Sawako. I haven't heard from her in a while. Uh, Arabia Swadada with uh, this is uh, from the south part of Italy. Paranoico. No eco, sorry. Centauri, Unza, Super Freak, Sir Blake. Brightest Place on Earth, Oaks, that's all from Southern Italy. Uh, We're Stone, You're Fucked by Uno, Iuno, and they're out of Rome. Uh, Joe Bob Bridge Four, Round Eye, out of Shanghai, but in tour on the continent right now. Italian bass player, Livio for Pisa. And finally, Levo with Carl's Path. South London and uh, 
That's me on the base. Uh, return with Taff Falco. Now, okay, your buddy touches some chords on the guitar. Do you, did you, what was the first band you were in? Panther Burns. Okay. That's, that's right. So I'm part of that, I'm the caboose on that train. <laughs> All, right. All right. Do you, do you remember uh, the first Panther Burns gig? Or, 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 or tell me how you put the band together. The band uh, came together because um, Alex Chilton had urged me to start a band when he uh, started coming over to my house after um, a party that I had in my place one evening. And um, the bass player of a girl group called the Clits was at the party. And uh, uh, Amanda Jones, and she was called Alex on my phone, and they were talking. And uh, he said, What's that in the background? Is that someone playing guitar? She said, Yeah, someone's here playing guitar. He says, Well, who is that? What is that? I, that sounds really strange. And she said, Oh, it's that guy that destroyed the uh, guitar at the Orpheum Theater on Jim Dickinson's uh, last waltz show. Remember, about a month ago, he chainsawed a guitar on stage. Oh yeah, Alex said, I remember. He said, look, I'm coming right over. So he came over to the party and we ended up staying up all night. And then he come to my place uh, quite a lot and I lived on the edge of the Garden District, and Alex lived with his parents in the Garden District. So he could practically walk to my house. Of course, I lived across the tracks, across the Elvin Railway tracks from Central Gardens, but I was very close, in a very working class section. And so he, uh, I was amazed with his guitar playing, that Alex could play rock and roll. I mean, I didn't know who Alex was, you know? I didn't know he had a, was a singer or had a band or anything, or I didn't know his background. I, anyway, he, um, he started showing me some rock and roll stuff on the guitar, and I, I, uh, I had bought another Silvertone guitar, by the way, from a neighbor, also for five dollars. <laughs> because the original one I had, yeah. uh, two or three years later, I traded someone for a Webcore portable tape recorder, because I was interested in making field recordings. So still, at the time that Alex and I met, I was interested mainly in country blues, folk, folk music and avant-garde jazz and um, composition. I was listening to Eric Dolphy, Carl Heinz Stockhausen, um, uh, Paul Blay, uh, that kind of thing, and uh, in Mississippi, Fred McDowell and Booker White and Houston Stackhouse and people like this. 
I wasn't listening to rock and roll, and when the 70s came in, I, I lost interest. After I came back from the Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco, and the uh, psychedelic music that I was exposed to there, when that went into eclipse, I stopped listening because I had all of that music on vinyl and I didn't hear anything coming out that interested me other than the aforementioned genres. And so hanging out with Alex, he, he played rock and roll in such a way that uh, it was um, enthralling and I enjoyed it. And uh, I never thought I could play rock and roll on the guitar because that was some kind of music that uh, I, I figured it, it took a, a musician to play. I didn't understand how to do it. All I did was play rudimentary blues. That's the only thing I ever attempted on the guitar when I got the second silver tone. So we started messing around together and one day he said, you know, I really, I'd really like to do a band I'd really like for you to start a band. And I know a drummer, Ross Johnson, a renegade librarian here, who will play drums with us. Because Alex had a little duo called the Yard Dogs, and they were playing downtown on, the, um, on Main Street, just busking. Okay. And actually, I saw them one day, Ross and Alex. I didn't know who they were at lunchtime when they were playing for Nichols and Dimes. And, um, but I didn't know who they were. Um, anyhow, one thing led to another. He said, you know, I'll play guitar with you a while, but you need it. We, I'll bring the drummer, but you need to, you need to, to, um, uh, come up with a name. And so I heard, was hearing at the time, people, uh, talking around Memphis about Pantherburn. Panther burn, panther burn, what's that? Panther burn. And so I started asking around, and Sid Selvage, a musician here, answered the question. He says, Panther burn, I'm from Panther burn area. That's a plantation north of Greenville, Mississippi, off Highway 61. Panther burn plantation. And um, said it's still in operation. Where they had a wildcat. Hold steady. Huh? That that cat. You just mentioned that's was from that area. Sid Salvage. Yeah, is he in the hold steady? He was in Mud Boy and the Neutrons. Okay. He was the guitar with the guy from here. He played acoustic guitar. Okay. And he was a singer-songwriter. okay. First Panther Burns gig. Well, that was in a cotton loft on Front Street. We rented a cotton loft at. Uh, we rented a cotton loft at 96 South Front Street in 1978, February 10th or 11th was the first show, and we rented some stage risers of heavy wood 
from the Memphis Cotton Carnival Association. We hauled those over and up the stairs of the wooden cotton loft on Front Street overlooking the Mississippi River. And um, we had a show in a big open cotton grading room. Okay. Uh, and we invited all our friends and we had... Uh, February was cold, huh? Yeah, but it wasn't bad. No, because I, can't, I did a record here a couple of years ago and it was in January. And it can I was old in there. Yeah, it can get cold. Look, yeah. Tim, we're at the end of the first hour, uh, July 9, 2017, edition Watt for Peter Show. Special guest, Tad Falco. Hold tight for hour two. July 9, 2017, it's the second hour of the Watt Pedro Show.
Long walk to your house Slow thoughts You are hunched and sedated As unbidden You have me twenty quid
Yeah, Falco, uh, give you the little run-up to their first Panther Birds game. We're going to get into that. Sorry, I ran out of time. Uh, starting off the second hour was Agitator Blues. Yeah, Falco's Panther Birds. Well, can you tell me about that tune? Well, it's um, the title speaks for itself. Okay. Um, okay it's about uh, political agitators. And... Um, you know, I go into that in my book. Um, Great book, by the way, people. Read it, please. Ghost Behind the Sun. Yeah. Splendor, Enigma, and Death. Mondo Memphis, Volume 1. There's a chapter about uh, Red West, the labor agitator. No, on the motorcycle. Yeah, he rode an Indian motorcycle, an Indian chief, um, which had a... a a purpose more than sheer exhilaration. He'd go into towns in the south where there was a strike and he would bring the strike up to a frenzy and keep the strike going as long as possible until demands were met or until somehow the strike was busted by Pinkerton, uh, the company and its hired goons and the and the hired sheriffs. So he he was able to outrun the sheriff's posse on that Indian. Yeah, he left him. Uh, he left him in in the dust, man. Yeah, I know it's in the book, people. You got to read it. It's bitching. Then we heard uh, Atpisani Ten, and this. Uh, uh, composer just passed away from the uh, area of the former Yugoslavia. His name uh, Milo Voje Mika Markovic, and his voice is uh, Jasmine. It got a popular TV show, and he did the soundtrack. And very adventurous for the, that, those parts. That, actually, uh, for everywhere. Uh, thank you, Stanislav Zavich, for turning me on that. Then we heard the singing room champion of the world by Matt Jones and DJ Honeypants. Uh, some shapes with, if I can, if, if I stop carrying on without me. Something, Joe Hill said something like that, don't mourn, organize. Uh, Howie Weave with Fork in the Road and finally David Gerard and Holland Holmes with Shoreline. Now, let's, what about this gig? Now, was, was this scary for you, this first gig? Mm, it wasn't scary. No, I said that is we had um, we had four songs. No, no, no. We had eight songs. We had three blues, one tango, and four rockabilly, uh, or rock and roll rockabilly type stuff. And for the second set, we repeated those. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> It was, you know, I... I the reprise. I, I rehearsed with Eric Hill, our, the late Eric Hill, our um, synthesizer player. We had borrowed a mini Korg synthesizer, one of the early ones, from right here at Phillips Studio. And Eric knew even less about playing a keyboard than I knew about playing the guitar. So he played with his knuckles <laughs> yeah. well, we, we stayed up late the night before and rehearsed on those 
uh, stage risers down at the cotton loft. And uh, so I felt fairly confident. Okay. And uh, I only asked that because I get scared. We just got in there the next night and just howled. And we had Jim Dickinson uh, opening the show with Lee Baker on electric guitar and Jimmy Crossweight on washboard. And we had Amanda Jones from the Clits uh, playing bass. Okay. They opened. Okay. And Dickinson was in some kind of a mask. Okay. Wrestler's, wrestler's yeah. mask. Very heavy. Oh, he was calling himself Captain Memphis. Okay. So that's how he was billed. And I did a poster for the show. And um, I did a lot of posters for the Panther Burns shows. And then I started screen printing the posters. Yeah. The second show was in the same cotton loft. Uh, two or three weeks later with Charlie Feathers. Yeah. And he brought his whole family down in a rocking chair. Yeah, they all course. came down, they brought some food, they sat down there and they had a great time. His son Bubba played guitar. And I think Ricky, his youngest son, he had him on a snare drum with a cloth, a t-shirt over the snare drum. Of course, drum. you don't want too loud. So they played and they had a good time. Okay. We, we, we just, they were fabulous, man. Charlie Feathers, stunning man. He just—you couldn't touch that man. We, we uh, last tour, we got, got to do one of his songs. Yeah, well, we're doing—we're um, doing his 1980s version, right? Of um, he's got a jungle drum. fever. Oh yeah, and, and also his version of the Jim Reeves song, "He'll Have to Go." Yeah. But. Um, uh, what about this was, song, Torture? We're going to play it right now. I recorded that later with Panther Burns. Sure, sure. Um, and yeah, it's based on that um, 50s dirge. Um, and uh, it worked out pretty well. Okay, let's just... about you, it make me do it 
about you Do you mean to hurt or don't you see You're torturing me
Follow with me, 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 follow with me
times I feel well, it makes me want to rest for you I know that it is stupid for Pedro Show, torture Tafalco. Then 5150 Mercedes featuring MERS by Chato Ghetto, brand new. Vasco Antonsoski with Koga, the demo. Rod Bryan with a little more. Following by Wybot. 
And finally, from the old days, and the senile is part of regress for you, nervous gender. Great band from East LA. Uh, picking up where we left off. Um, how long you play with Alex? As Path of Bird, uh, as a member uh, of Path of He stayed in the band, I don't know, a couple of years, two or three years, and then he produced uh, a couple of albums later. Yeah. Early, later. First album, we didn't have a producer. Every man for himself yeah. on that record. Okay. So, yeah. What kind of, what kind of I'm curious, what kind of process now, was now that? We did play together in New Orleans um, in 97 at the um, uh, Center for Contemporary Art on the, they had an uh, opening for the Andy Warhol retrospective they had there. So I just come back from Europe and he and Renee Coleman and Ross Johnson, the original drummer, Panther Byrne and I uh, did a show at the, at the uh, CCA in New Orleans, Camp okay. Street. So, uh, do you remember your first tour? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I remember it. Coast to coast. Yeah, we had that Rough Trade release, Rough Trade San Francisco, and they did a lot to promote behind the Magnolia Curtain album when we toured behind that. What was it, a big one? How many gigs? It was a month. Okay. We uh, traveled in the uh, station wagon Whoa! A bass player. We had a bass player. You toured in a station wagon. Yeah, you know that's how they did it in the old days. We had a U-Haul on the back. Oh, we yeah, a trailer. Okay, okay, okay. And, because uh, those dudes in the old days, no trailer. They toured in station. Yeah. I don't remember John Coltrane like Country Squires, I think. And we had a mattress in the back, and I, I slept on the mattress. Had a lot of long drives. Excuse me a moment. Uh, uh, did, was it? Did you have expectations? Did you know about have ideas about tour before you did it? Because for me, it was such a surprise. I had no idea what it was going to be like. Well, I had some knowledge of that because I knew bands toured. Um, we had um, the Cramps came to. Uh, Memphis in they, 1980. And recorded. They recorded right here? Yeah. They recorded here. People, it was called uh, Songs the Lord Taught Us. Great yes, album. and uh, Alex Chilton produced that record. And uh, so I was hanging out here at the studio during that, during those sessions. And uh, I knew they toured and uh, they also had Panther Burns perform on um, the first time we performed in New Orleans was opening for the Cramps and the first time we appeared on the West Coast was opening for the Cramps on a Halloween show um, with Vampira, Panther Burns Vampira? And the Cramps, yeah. The lady? Yeah. The, the, the horror Came out of a coffin on the TV. stage. Okay. She'd be on TV and these B movies. She'd be like a hostess. Mm -hmm. Another cat before her called Seymour in SoCal. I found, come to find out that there was local 
guys all over, like like Cleveland had one, Detroit, the, the Astro Brothers told me about a Detroit one. Yeah, Memphis had one too. You guys had one too. It was all over the country. Uh, people are at the end of the second hour, July 9, 2017, edition of Watford uh, Pedro Show, special guest, Tab Falco, hold tight for hour three. July 9th, 2017, it's the third hour of the Watford Pedro Show.
Ich pflanze einen Zitronenbaum meinem Freunde, dem Kind, dem Genie. Am Stamme, da darf er matten, die Blätter spenden ihm Schatten mit Früchten, will ich ihn wecken. Süße zu träumen und Säure zu schmecken, kein Kummer ist nutzlos nie. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
glaubt ans Vergessen. Die Zeit hat ein Loch. Es heißt Lithium.
In glass painting, notice nothing unusual, just the rain. Well, now you know what's in store for you.
Live from Pedro Show, started the third hour off with Streamline Train. Tab. Streamline Train. Oh, by, yeah, by Tab uh, Falco's Palace of Birds. Tell, tell me about that tune. He's chowing people, sorry. I got him. I, I put the question. I'll tell you the rest of the songs while he's chewing. Uh, why I was born. Nels Klein from his new album, Lovers. Kinborn Kessner. Kinborn, sorry. Out of Berlin there, Swedish guy. With Lithium, The Dome from Clay Chaplin. Incredible album. Uh, In Glass Painting by Vistain. Out of Salk Valley, Illinois, just west of Chicago. Finally, I Took Your Name with Corridor. <coughs> Streamline Train. <coughs> Streamline Train, I learned from the She-Wolf, Jesse May Hemphill, from the Hemphill family musicians in um, the hill country of North Mississippi here, down in Como, um, around Como, um, Panola County. Yazoo River? 
I think the Yazoo is when, not when that far was, north. So when they sing the, the Yellow Dog, well, that's in, well, you know, in the lore of this part of the South, the Yellow Dog is a term for the Kansas City Southern Railway. No, I meant the uh, Yazoo and Mississippi Valley Railway. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the point where they cross Kansas City Southern lines, the Katy, and the Yellow Dog, where they cross in Mississippi, um, is a kind of mystical crossroads. And it's always people talk about where the Robert Johnson, where the Katy crosses the Yellow Dog. Um, well, Robert Johnson didn't sing about those two railroads, but the idea of a crossroads is something mystical and numinous about that in the lore of the South. And um, I use where the Katy crosses. Um, the Yellow Dog in my song, Memphis Ramble. But Streamline Train has nothing to do with the, um, the Yellow Dog Railway. The Streamline okay. Train is, is a song about a, um, uh, a streamline train is one that is um, very fast and very um, so modern like, looking. Is it like this cufflinks you gave me? Yeah, that's a streamline. Okay. People, listeners, I'm wearing some streamlined cufflinks. The only time I've worn cufflinks in my life. Incredible gift given to me a year and a half ago when I did this tour. And I guess they were gifted to you by Big Jim. Yeah, those were a gift, a birthday gift from Jim Sclavunas. And when we got out on tour, Jim Sclavunas had played drums with Panther Burns quite a bit. We got out on tour with uh, Michael Watt and found that he had no cufflinks to wear with um, his um, French uh, Gianni Uomo a suit. That and, he, and, and big he cuffs, had. people. You yeah. can't put these on regular. You gotta have some big cuff. What are they called? French. 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 Like if you don't have the cufflinks, they're gonna go almost to the ends of your fingers. So Watt had got a French cuff shirt, which I asked him to get for his Gianni Uomo suit that he had made for the whistleblower tour. The whistleblower tour with Panther Burns. So at any rate, he came into those cufflinks that way. And there's there Art Deco looking cufflinks and the Streamline Train had this uh, Art Deco modern design. Okay. And it was a fast train. And so Jesse May Hemphill sings about how this Streamline Train comes through in this drone blues that she played on that song and uh, how um, Streamline Train uh, uh, came through and blew black smoke on her. Can and, I, because uh, you got some, a lot of experience with the train, would you consider it kind of a musical trip? The sound of it? The vibration of it? Well, you know, the, the, the sound and the syncopation of the uh, wheels of the trains on the tracks 
in the American South is uh, part of the origins of the blues. That's part of the rhythmic origins of the blues. And the melodic, one of the melodic origins is the steam whistle and on the uh, locomotives, steam locomotives. In those days, each engineer had their own steam whistle. And when they were called out on their run, they brought their own whistle. Wow. And it was chimed to their specifications. It was their signature. Yeah, it was their signature. And when they were rolling down the rails and they blew that whistle, people up and down the line heard it and they knew, oh, well, that's that engineer. Yeah. And I, someone I else had that. a different sound was another engineer. So they made it personal. Yeah, and Casey Jones, you know, was became a legend. He yeah. was an engineer that was always on time. He was never late. And people knew it was Casey Jones by the sound of his whistle, okay. by, by the melody. So the whistle and the syncopation of the wheels on the rails, you hear it in the blues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you were talking earlier about leaving the U.S. and going to the old country. Yeah, what was that like? Well, it was a product of touring with Panther Burns in Europe. My first tour, we played the first show <clears throat> in Harlem, uh, Netherlands, and I saw... Yeah, people, believe it or not, the, the original Harlem is in New York City uh, part of Manhattan. It's actually... Well, there are a lot of Dutch names. Because they were there early. I think in, Hoboken, in I think Brooklyn. Yeah. The Stuyvesant. That was the last governor. I think a one-legged man. Coho, like me. Anyhow. Okay, so you played... I saw these Harlem. people... Uh, uh, riding bicycles everywhere, all these bicycles and people living in buildings that uh, there were no freestanding houses, you know. Sure. Um, it was a little different than New York. <laughs> and, oh, because they're in buildings too, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's still different, still different. Kind of yeah, way of life and the yeah. way they were living in these yeah. buildings because that's all their work. <clears throat> and I thought, God, I could never live like that coming from Memphis. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you have some years in New York. Well, I was in and out of New York okay. at that time. I lived, a, I lived a little bit in New York in the 80s, the early 80s. And, um, but it was still um, different in, sure, in sure. Europe. Anyhow, I'd agree. after a tours, a few tours, and uh, doing some recording in Europe, I began to uh, penetrate the culture. Yeah. And it was a, it was um, it was a very fertile experience because of the different cultures from country to country. Each one, right, and close. each region had yeah. you know a distinct culture and often a distinct language. Yeah. So that was fascinating. And uh, <clears throat> then I produced a record on a, a group in um, Linz, Austria. 
and I, I got after that somehow um, national radio in Vienna yeah. asked me to come over to Vienna for an interview and a product of that our interview was that I was offered my own radio show on national radio on a program called Music Box so about once a month I had my own show which um, was the uh, Tav Falco's Wild and Exotic World of Motion Picture Soundtracks. And then I did um, some interviews with Memphis musical celebrities for national radio. Yeah. And uh, a couple of other programs. I did one on Argentine Tango, which was the one that received the most phone calls. Okay. Yeah, I did that show, and that one and Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, that interview. Man, By the way, people, this studio is where Willy Bully was recorded. Yeah, in this studio, <laughs> Willy Bully was recorded here, <laughs> and I recorded the interview with Sam the Sham. Okay, incredible. And Roland James engineered it. So, anyway, those two shows, the switchboard, the national radio in Austria lit up like a Christmas tree. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because there's a people, you know, Argentina, of course, you think of the tango, but there's a there's a European connection. Well, yeah, you know, the tango was very was in the 1920s was, uh, had an extraordinary popularity, and there was a, a relationship between Buenos Aires and Paris. Oh, okay. And you know, Buenos Aires looked to Europe; it wasn't not to the rest of South America. Yeah, right. Its its connection was Paris. Okay. And Sorry. that was the second language okay. in Buenos Aires. And right. the architecture, there was so much French architecture. Okay. Even though the British came and built the railways, okay. um, the, culturally the connection was Paris. You know, an Argentine yeah. is, a, uh, is an Italian who um, they had acts, is an Italian who acts French, thinks he's British, and speak Spanish. Because there's a lot of Italian immigrants there too, I know that. Or there yeah. was immigration. And the whole patois, the Lunfardo uh, Argo of Buenos Aires is uh, a major part of that language is Italian. Lunfardo? Lunfardo. Moon? Loon. L-U-N-F-A-R-D-O. Yeah, like moon? No. Yeah, Loon. Lunfardo. And uh, a lot of tango lyrics were composed in Lunfardo. Okay. So if you don't know that language, you're not going to decide. So it's, it's some kind of dialect. Yeah, yeah, it's a dialect. It's first time it's an Argo. It's more than a dialect. Okay. Okay. It's, it's an its own language. Argo. Okay, okay. And I have a theory yeah. that it formed <coughs> in relatively the same way that hipster talk. Hipster jive from the 1930s, 20s and 30s developed into big cities in New York, New Orleans, both port cities. SF. Um, so that the underworld and those who were locked up 
could speak in a language that the man could not understand. Yeah. And I think this happened in Buenos Aires too. Wow. That, because tango was like, in a sense, like some early jazz. And even even more so, tango was 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 forbidden. Oh, okay. And it was music that was the music of the city, the music of the port. Yeah. That came out of the brothels and off the streets. And was cosmopolitan. Well, it was cosmopolitan in, in, Not in the straight sense way. That, that big ports are cosmopolitan. Yeah, that's what I mean. People from all bunch of influence. The world living in the ports. That's what I mean. So, had this very rich, uh, really exposed to Argentine music and, and, and tango dancers. Okay. And tango masters was in Europe. Once in L.A., walking somewhere past a window front and I looked inside and someone was getting a tango lesson and I stepped in through the door and watched a few minutes. That was the first time I was exposed to the dance. Other than that, I only heard the music here and there. But in Europe, I was exposed to a lot of tango. And in Vienna, there was a whole tango demi-monde, which I'm still a part of. And when I lived in Paris for four years, yeah. I was immersed in Argentine tango there. Okay. And then I went to Buenos Aires for four months yeah. to dance and to further expose myself to the music. Yeah. But you're still in Europe. I have a residence in Vienna. Right. A number of years now. It's been a while. Interesting. Some, something, a turn in your life you probably would have never maybe envisioned as a younger man? No, I would not have anticipated yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's just trippy how life works out. We're going to play you past the hatchet.
first thing I noticed going into an empty schoolyard is the slap in the ring of cables and chains on metal posts through the clear of the dark. They are ringing for me. They have been ringing for me. They have been calling to me, calling and calling for ages. In a quiet field I stand, knowing not its emptiness or mine. With hardly a friend I head out across emptiness. Where are the stars? Where are the hands to hold? Someone to tell my life to. Just another quiet room and what I carry, all this emptiness. A quiet turmoil leaves signs of the mind. Debris left on the storm's quiet shore. Don't damn me without knowing the good or the bad you may find. From my depths comes eloquence and the beauty of all this emptiness. On a quiet lake I grasp this beauty and I want to share it with you. I want to pull you away from the others. Just get your attention that you might pull me away from all this emptiness. Watson Pedro Show, last music for this edition, Pass the Hatchet, Tad Falco's Panther Burns, The Sunken Forest from Petra Hayden, and finally Joe Brewer. All This Happiness, great poem. Tav, plans for the future. I want to make part two of my movie. Tell me a little bit about part one. <laughs> Urania Descending, part one we have completed and we have shown Urania Descending in key cinemas and I got to see it at the Egyptian platforms. Mike Watt was at the uh, Steven Spielberg cinema inside the Egyptian Grauman's Egyptian Theater on Hollywood Boulevard on June 3rd of 2017 to, uh, to view our movie which was uh, premiered there. And uh, we've shown uh, in Paris and London, uh, you know, Silencio, the private cinema club of David Lynch in Paris, uh, in Vienna at Metro Kino, the National Film Archive there, in San Francisco at the Roxy Theater, um, and other places. This is an intrigue movie, an intrigue with mythic and poetic undercurrents. Urania descending, Urania, the muse of the heavens, and her avatar comes to earth in the most unlikely form, that of a disaffected American girl. On the banks of the Arkansas River, in a shopping center, she comes accosted again by another sodbuster redneck and possibly she sees a poster hanging in a travel agency window and impulsively goes in and buys a one-way ticket to merry old Vienna. And that is where the intrigue begins. So this is a troika of films, a triptyque. Part one, part two, part three, part two, will transition from the Lake District of Austria, from the Atazay, back to Hotel Orient in Vienna, and then decamp to Monaco. Uh, part three will transition from Monaco to, to Venice, to Venezia, on the lagoon. But right now, where I've written a, screen, uh, written a scenario for part two and where 
in the process of development. That is uh, one part. And then right now, as you know, we're recording this Christmas album, a Tav Falco Christmas, right here at Phillips Studio in Memphis, coming out uh, on Record Store Day, Black Friday, 2017, on Org Music out of Los Angeles. And uh, that is a future uh, happening. Then, um, that's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. And people, you can go to tavfalco.com for information. T-A-V-F-A-L-C-O.com. There's all kinds of infos and stuff there. It's all there. <coughs> You've had quite a journey. It's been a, uh, it's been a circuitous journey of torturous, winding, circuitous, up and down, sideways, something of a roller coaster, something of a long haul here and there, breakdowns in Death Valley, catching on fire more than once, incendiary moments, on stage and off, but the Panther Burns are still the last steam engine train left on the track yeah. that don't do nothing but run and blow. That's great. A person kind of new to the field of expression asked you for advice. What would you tell them? <laughs> a quitter never wins and a winner never quits. Yeah, those are great words, thoughts. I want to thank you so much for being on the show and letting me be part of Panther Birds and this uh, We're legacy. We are privileged, Watt, to have you among the brotherhood of the Panther Burns. Thank you. But I warn you, yeah. once you're in, you'll never get out. Okay, a bit more, <laughs> but it's an honor for me. Likewise. Uh, people, it's been the Jan uh, <laughs> July 9th, 2017 edition of Off from Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>